Was a lack of tight end usage in 2022 more on Scott Turner as the offensive coordinator and play caller, or was it on the quarterbacks? I'll tell you that and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome into this Monday episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much, as always, for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget, you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And if you're on YouTube, do me a favor, hit the like button to let other Commanders fans find me just like you did. And you can continue this conversation over on subtext at joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders where you can literally go one-on-one with me in your text messages because I'm your host, David Harrison, on Twitter at dharrison82, credential member of the media and Washington Commanders beat reporter for commandercountry.com, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the Washington Commanders. I'm here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, I want to appreciate you for your continued support of the program. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're going to discuss the wide receiver and tight end groups as part of our training camp preview series But before we get there, I do have to tell you that this episode is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Commanders fans want to know if the lack of tight end usage in 2022 was on the play caller or if it was on the quarterback. I'm going to answer that question coming up in just a bit as part of our receiver and tight end training camp preview series. But before we get there, we have to start with our training camp depth chart projection. Of course, we've got a 90-man roster we're talking about, right? So I've gotten some feedback from some other dairies and some subtexters. So I'm going to tweak this week's position group preview just a little bit from the others, and we'll continue to kind of evolve this thing uh, as we get up to training camp. So so I want to first thank everybody who has given me some constructive feedback. Uh, You are impacting the program, as you will see here, and hopefully... Uh, we will continue to do this thing together. We're starting with the current depth chart projection. Of course, this isn't official. The team isn't going to put out an official depth chart uh, at this stage of the game. They don't really have to, so they're not going to. But here is the official depth chart as I see it from watching reps. And, of course, some of it is just common sense, right? Wide receiver Terry McLaurin is obviously at the top of this thing. Number two, I've got Jahan Dotson. Curtis Samuel coming in three. Number four is Deami Brown. Number five, Marcus Kemp. After him, I've got Dax Milne, Mitchell Tinsley, Jalen Sample, Kyrick McGowan, Casimir Allen, and then we've got Bryson Tremaine and Zion Bowens bringing up the back end of the current wide receiver group. Tight ends, we've got Logan Thomas up at the top. John Bates is still tied at number two. Cole Turner behind him. Curtis Hodges behind them. And Brandon Dillon, the recent acquisition, uh, pulling up the rear there. Of course, Armani Rogers on the IR will be on the IR with the Achilles injury that he suffered earlier. Uh, during the offseason workout program. So we've got the depth chart kind of set there for what we're looking at for the Washington Commanders. Now we're going to talk about some positional training camp battles and headlines coming into the end of July. Again, training camp kicking off July 27th. Wide receiver two battle. Now you might have noticed that I put Jahan Dotson above Curtis Samuel. Again, I'm doing that not because the team has done that, but because when I look at what's happening on the field, seeing more Curtis Samuel using some kind of Swiss Army knife type of roles slot type of stuff now that's not to say terry and jahan aren't getting slot reps of course they're getting slot reps but when you talk about who's kind of your number one your number two outside receivers who's your inside receiver jahan dotson right now seems to have the edge in eric bien system we've heard eric bien talk a lot glowingly about jahan dotson as an all-around 
wide receiver. This is his second season. He's already said it. We talked about it here on the show every day as we'll remember every dayers will remember it. But he went on a recent podcast and talked about this being his breakout season. And if you're gonna be a breakout player, you're talking about wide receiver two. I mean, my wide receiver one numbers would be amazing as well. And I don't think anybody would turn their nose up at that, but at least looking for wide receiver two numbers. You can't expect to do that if you're not on the field on a very consistent basis. So right now I've got Jahan Dotson penciled in as the number two receiver receiver. Now, again, today's NFL three receivers is pretty much a given on pretty much every single play. So it's not like Curtis Samuel isn't going to get on the field. It's just a matter of kind of what position, what type of usage they're getting. And I do have the second year receiver out of Penn State kind of taking that step forward uh, this year so far, just from what we've seen on the practice field. Then, obviously, whoever is not receiver two is going to be wide receiver three, right? And it could just be a technicality, and that's fine. But then you've got the wide receiver four matchup in competition, which honestly, coming into OTAs and minicamp, I really thought it was just De'Ami Brown. It was De'Ami Brown four, and then we're going to figure out who five and six and further on if we were going to keep more than six uh, would be. But I think Marcus Kemp is a name that we need to start talking about more. And when we get to training camp, he is a guy that I know I'm going to be paying attention to more as he was grabbing my attention the further we got into OTAs. And then, of course, the week of the mandatory minicamp, the more I found myself kind of looking towards Marcus Kemp and talked to Marcus a couple of times off off the side of the field, you know, nothing off the record, just kind of uh, getting to know him just a little bit, no official interviews to share or anything like that. But I do plan on getting some of those on the record as we get into training camp. But I think his familiarity with Eric Bieniemy, his veteran kind of style, his his build, you know, he's, he brings a build uh, that you kind of talk about what Cam Sims brought to the roster. But Marcus Kemp brings that type of similar type build, a little bit bigger of a dude, but he's also being a little bit more effective at this stage in the offseason than what we're used to seeing from guys like Cam Sims previously. So De'Ami Brown, I feel like he certainly brings his wrinkle. And look, being wide receiver four, being wide receiver five, you're still getting a spot on the active roster. But I think if you have to put in pecking order, who's going to be the first guy on the field? Some of it's going to be package dependent, right? Situation dependent. But I do think Marcus Kemp is making a genuine push to perhaps be that wide receiver four in black and white on the paper, push De'Ami Brown down to wide receiver five. So after we get the four and five figured out, we got to figure out the six. And this is where an interesting conversation is going to come up right now, but also later in the episode. Dax Milne right now penciled in his wide receiver six, but guys like Casimir Allen certainly could be breathing down his neck, challenging him for his active roster spot. And I think that's a very interesting conversation that we're going to get into here in just a little bit, but we are going to talk about that as a headline coming into training camp. So plenty of wide receiver action to keep an eye on during this training camp uh, scenario this year. Bubble battle, right? If there's going to be a seventh receiver or maybe another guy that we're not talking about in that wide receiver six conversation who could work his way into that wide receiver six conversation, I think you're looking at Mitchell Tinsley or Jalen Sample. I think Jalen Sample came out of the rookie camp, came into the OTAs and minicamp as kind of that favorite sixth or seventh kind of competitive type of guy. But Mitchell Tinsley, you guys know every day, we, we talked about him quite a bit during the OTA period, during the mandatory minicamp. He has done some really nice things for himself. So once we get to training camp, if those things continue, and if that play continues with pads and all that stuff on, then I think you could see him perhaps take a step and become someone that we talk about a little bit more entering the end of training camp through the preseason. So plenty of stuff to watch on the wide receiver thing side of things. On the tight end side of things, I've only got one battle. John Bates versus Cole Turner for tight end number two. I don't think anybody out there is going to be surprised by that. John Bates a better receiver, I think, than we expected when he got drafted out of Boise State. Cole Turner certainly flashing when he's healthy uh, a lot. He's continuing to flash here this offseason, so training camp is going to be huge for those two guys. I still believe 
if John Bates can't prove to be a little bit more of a pass catcher, that he's going he's gonna to have his role relegated to blocking almost, I want to say only, but most of the time. And then Cole Turner could take that jump uh, to tight end too as early as this regular season. So 2022 facts and stats from the year that was. Terry McLaurin had a career high 1,191 yards last season, top 10 in the NFL in yards and yards per reception. Jahan Dotson was the team's leader in receiving touchdowns and also the rookie class leader in receiving touchdowns with seven. The tight ends combined for 518 yards and just two touchdowns. That is going to be a talking point here coming up in this episode. 13 NFL tight ends last year had more receiving yards than this entire group combined. 28 NFL tight ends had more touchdowns than this entire group combined. 12 NFL tight ends had more of both than this tight end group uh, combined last season. So that's our bird's eye view of what's going on with the commanders, receivers, and tight ends. But now let's get down to some specifics with two burning questions that need to be answered in the end of July and as we work our way through August, including who is to blame for the lack of tight end production that we just talked about last season. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team fast and for free. And it's so easy to post a job. Even a podcast host can do it. I've run through the system. I've run, I don't hire anybody, but I've run through the system. I've run through the posting process. Believe me, it is super easy, super convenient. Once you get your job posted, throw the purple hashtag hiring frame onto your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Locked on NFL. It's LinkedIn.com slash Locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for making Locked on Commanders your first listen or your first view of the day every day, especially getting the week started here, right? To begin the month of July. It's already July, guys. We're right around the corner from the NFL season. Every day, as we got a brand new mailbag dropping tomorrow on the 4th of July. So, whether you're going to listen on the 4th of July or not, or watch on the 4th of July or not, it will be there for you when you are ready for it. So if you want to throw down a question for that or a future episode, do so in the YouTube comments on Twitter, email, or via subtext at join subtext slash locked on commanders. It's join subtext.com slash locked on commanders. Speaking of subtext, our commander subtexter sent me some burning questions for this receiver tight end group entering training camp. And before I tell you who's to blame for the lack of tight end usage last year, we have to go with majority rules because I got more than a couple questions asking about a player from this group, wide receiver, tight end group that might be that might not be on this year's roster that was on last year's roster. And of course, that answer pertains to one question that I also got about Casimir Allen and whether or not he's going to actually be able to threaten for the return job and if he's even healthy enough to contend. So we've got kind of a uh, it's more than two birds. It's like eight or 10 birds, but with one answer here, we're going to wrap up a couple of questions. So if you ask me the question about Casimir Allen and you ask me the question about Dax Milner, if you're one of the people who asked me a lot of questions about Dax Milner's grip on a roster spot, I'm going to kind of answer all that here in one fail swoop right now. Casimir Allen in his collegiate career, 39 career kickoff returns, 21 of them in 2021, 18 in 2022. 
one punt return in 2021. I think that's really kind of interesting because Dax Milne is really this team's primary punt returner. Kick returner is kind of up in the air. I liked Antonio Gibson doing it. Hopefully, uh, if it's not Kaz, hopefully it's AG. I, I really enjoyed uh, seeing AG back there doing that. 62 overall kickoff return grade for Casimir Allen. His last season at UCLA, 27 yards per kickoff return average. I believe that one's for his career. One kickoff return touchdown his career came in 2021. And Kaz last year was 22nd in power in the Power 5 conferences in yards per return uh, again last season. Also had one fair catch. And one fair catch is not a lot, right? But one kickoff return fair catch is interesting when you talk about this year because this year the NFL, if you remember, we've talked about it here on the program, has instituted this new rule where on a free kick, which a kickoff is a free kick, uh, the receiving team can call a fair catch. And if they do, the ball will come out to the 25. No matter where you fair, fair catch it from, the ball will come out to the 25. So having a kick returner who has already kind of grown up in a system or in a in a collegiate atmosphere that has the same type of uh, fair catch mechanism in it, I think is is somewhat of a mental advantage. I don't know how big of an advantage it is, but I think it's certainly something worth uh, at least touching on here. Now, the discussion is whether or not Kaz Allen is going to replace Dax Milne, right? But Milne, like I said, is primarily the punt returner in my eyes. And, you know, he's done some kick return stuff, obviously, but I think he's primarily the punt returner, uh, along with his limited receiver ability. But still, that didn't stop special teams coordinator Nate Katzer from telling me at the end of mandatory minicamp that he is. Kaz Allen is a true threat to a guy like Dax Milne if they can get his me mechanics in fielding and returning kickoffs and punts down so coach Katzer talked with me uh, when I asked him about this whole thing and then he gave me like a nice five ten minute answer I'm gonna be honest with you guys I actually had it recorded for you and my phone messed up yes I'm blaming the technology it wasn't my fault it was my phone's fault my phone messed up so I didn't get didn't get the recording down I was actually gonna play it with you it was really good stuff but coach Katzer kind of talked about a couple of things including you know Kaz Allen obviously he's at the speed he's at the breakaway excitement that all the fans all the media even you know the coaches who the team wants to see it and it's valuable, you know, if you can get 10 yards, eight yards, even six yards on a punt return, that can be incredibly important. You're talking a half a set of downs or an entire first down that you don't need to earn on offense, right? So you're getting a little bit of a head start, so to speak. But he also didn't want to undersell the value that a player fielding punts, just simply fielding them, brings. And I always kind of bring this up when we talk about this, but if you go back to the win last year over the Green Bay Packers, part of the reason the Commanders won that game is because the Packers had a really hard time nailing down their return specialists and they had multiple fumbles in that game i can't remember how many recoveries the commanders have i know of, obviously it was at least one and really kind of impacted the pace of that game right so the fact that dax milne catches the ball consistently uh but doesn't have a lot of electric runs from a fan standpoint from a television standpoint from a media standpoint right not very exciting so we want more and and he gets that coach gets that but coach doesn't want to undersell the potential like if you have a guy who yeah he might break off 20 yards he might break off 15 yards he might take it back to the house but he also might fumble the ball and lose it for you that's a huge swing right and i and i kind of look at it uh he, he mentioned in, in sports there are some categories where you could have a 70 percent and 80 percent. i mean you look at baseball you'd have a 250 30 percent a 25 30 percent success rate and be pretty good in kick returns and punt returns if you have a 90% catch rate and a 10% fumble rate, you're one of the worst in the league, right? So this, this really is a job where that ability to simply field the ball is very important. And he told us that they, they, they've been working with Casimir Allen on simply the mechanics of fielding the ball uh, because that's where he was a little bit raw from. But now also health 
has to be a part of this, right? So as they're working with Kaz on his mechanics of fielding, catching punts and kicks, he's also got to be healthy enough to be on the practice field. And he did miss multiple days at the end of the OTA minicamp period due to a hamstring injury, uh, perhaps the worst injury that a guy like this outside of a, a tendon tearing or something like that uh, can have with with his talents. So he's, he's a quick twitch guy. He needs those 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 uh, those those types of, of muscles and those fibers to stay as healthy as possible. The commanders would love to get a guy who can return both kicks and punts while slotting guys like Antonio Gibson as a secondary option in case of injury. And Coach Katzer also even said, don't discount Jahan Dotson as a potential punt returner either. He's got experience doing it, and he certainly has the weapon. So is Casimir Allen a threat? Absolutely. Bottom line is yes, yes, he is. And that's not just for me. That's coming from Coach Katzer himself. Will it happen? That's really the question. If it's going to happen, Allen's got to be ready for training camp, and he's got to stay healthy throughout training camp because – as much as we don't like talking about Dax Milne just simply waving the hand in the air and catching the ball, if Dax Milne is more reliable to do that than Kaz Allen is to even be on the field, then I think Dax Milne is still going to be the guy on the roster. And that doesn't mean you don't see Kaz Allen make it to the practice squad. But, you know, if if Dax Milne wins, if, if Kazmir Allen has an exciting punt return in a preseason game, and then he misses three practices due to soft tissue injuries. Don't be surprised if you see Dax Milne being the punt returner and a lot of people who are watching the games might be a little confused. Uh, that'll be why. We'll talk about it again if and when it happens. But, you know, just a little preemptive. You got to look at the holistic body of work. And again, catching the ball is the very first thing you got to do. So good questions there kind of in combined. Uh, so, you know, again, Dax Milne is the guy. If there's a guy from last year's roster that made it on last year's roster that might not make it, it's Dax Milne. And then uh, Kaz Allen talking a little bit. Uh, about him our next question for the segment bill asked me or said last year it seemed like the tight ends weren't a part of the office coordinator's plan it also seemed like every screen pass was doomed from the start lastly it appeared every game carson Wentz played it didn't include terry in the game plan can this be attributed to the oc or the quarterback bill also adds that he knows players aren't going to throw anyone under the bus but that there were rumblings of how receivers felt well bill there were more than just rumblings i'm not sure if these are the rumblings you're talking about but early january uh, Sam Fortier of the Washington Post published an article titled, "Quotes: Commanders Players Are Frustrated with Offensive Play Calling." End quote. And at the beginning, uh, it began rather the article began with a comment from one veteran player who was asked why the offense didn't have a spark in the loss against the Cleveland Browns. And that player, that unnamed player, said, "Quote: Ask the play caller." In total, Fortier talked with 11 Commanders player for the players for the piece uh, that highlighted complaints that pertain to play calling like predictability of play calling, abandonment of the game plan, specifically against Cleveland, tendencies to deviate from plays that work. Uh, think about Antonio Gibson running up the middle of the 49ers defensive line instead of Brian Robinson. Cord the coordinator, Scott Turner, outsmarting himself. Uh, players also acknowledged other issues too, poor communication between offensive groups. And let's be honest, communication on the field starts with the quarterback when you're talking about an offense, right? Fortier also talked about in his article about how Ryan Fitzpatrick actually criticized Scott Turner's scheme as being too stiff and unwilling to adapt to his players. And that's something that we spoke a lot about during Scott Turner's run here on Locked On Commanders, especially as quarterbacks change. It never really seemed that Turner wanted to adapt to them, especially Taylor Heineke in 2021, which is really weird because Taylor Heineke was quote unquote his guy, right? Heineke didn't really freelance a lot. And I think that's why Scott Turner liked him as much. Uh, he wouldn't run when he was told not to run. And that's what Turner liked about him. Scott Turner even mentioned at one point, we know what we're going to get from Taylor Heineke. And that kind of translates to he's going to do what we tell him and nothing else. And, you know, to some coaches, that sounds like a great thing. But as you guys saw, sometimes it's very frustrating to see him with 20, 25 yards of green in front of him, not take advantage of it. And it's because he was told not to run. 
When Turner did scream to the unit's strengths, play actions, running downhill, things went well. Think about the upset over the Philadelphia Eagles. Think about the win over the Atlanta Falcons. But then, specifically in that second game against the Giants, at least three players questioned the game plan, according to 48's piece, as Turner moved to a more traditional drop-back passing game and running to the perimeter out of shotgun. The results, one field goal in the first half, a strip sack in the first half that was returned for a touchdown. Uh, 48's piece also brings up that the second half of that game, Washington opened with a seven-yard gain by Brian Robinson up the middle, a downhill run play. They followed that up with an unsuccessful flea flicker and then a run up the middle by Curtis Samuel. So there's the outsmarting uh, yourself. Really a lot more going into that whole thing. But honestly, some of it's on the quarterback, but a lot of it is on the game plan and on the, on the offensive coordinator. Uh, it just kind of that's where it's going to resonate. Right. So whether it's your fault or not, as the coach, you're always going to take uh, the 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 reins. Now, with Eric Bieniemy and with Sam Howell, it seems to be a little bit different. Uh, but talking specifically just about last year, it does appear that last year, I would probably say I lay more of the blame uh, on Coach Turner than I do on uh, on uh, Carson Wentz and even Taylor Heineke. And one final quote from that Sam 48 piece, uh, one of the players said, quote, I feel bad for Carson, the player told 48. I don't think we knew how to utilize him, end quote. So again, not saying that things could have been a whole lot better with Carson, but Carson was also kind of handcuffed a little bit by what was happening in the coaching room so that's the last of our two burning questions we're gonna wrap up this segment with our post training camp depth chart projection this is my projection i think we're keeping six receivers here for the washington commanders this year terry mclaurin Jahan dodson curtis samuel marcus kemp deami deami brown and right now i do have dax Milne just because i am worried about that health of casimir allen of course this is a projection it could certainly change during the course of uh training camp and preseason practice squad i've got mitchell tinsley jalen sample kyrick mcgowan and Casimir Allen tight ends. I've got four going into the active roster. Logan Thomas, John Bates, Cole Turner, Curtis Hodges, Brandon Dillon on the practice squad. Sam 48's piece that we just discussed a little bit. We're going to discuss it again on a later episode. We've got even more to take from that uh, as well. That's going to go out to subtexters at noon Eastern time on Monday. So keep an eye out for that text message into your phones. Close this episode. We're going to take a look at some national and fantasy rankings for these players. And I'll tell you where you can draft your favorite players this fantasy season. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Wrapping up this wide receiver tight end room preview, training camp preview with rankings and fantasy outlooks. So a little bit of an abbreviated ranking and fantasy outlook than what we had before. Before rankings took up the entire second segment, fantasy outlook was the entire third. Now we're going to share the rankings and fantasy outlooks here in the final segment. We're going to start with PFF ranking Terry McLaurin as the number eight wide receiver this coming season talking about terry mclaurin racking up over 4,000 yards 460 targets in four seasons with an ugly list of quarterbacks throwing him the football yet terry mclaurin has been one of the best in the league coming in this year as number eight according to pff no washington tight ends uh ranked by pff espn plus you've kind of already talked about this but they they ranked the wide receiver tight end running back groups as a whole which is a little bit weird uh, but that's what they did. Bill Barnwell did the rankings and he's got Washington number 21. But he also says, quote, I believe McLaurin is a top 10 receiver and he should get more help with a leap from Jahan Dodson. Last year's first round pick flashed early in the season before being sidelined for five weeks with by a hamstring injury. When Dodson was restored into a more regular role over the final month of the season, he produced a line that would prorate over a 17 game season, of 71 catches for 1170 yards and 10 touchdowns. And the commanders would have one of the best wideout duos in football, end quote. So, again, Bill Barnwell, ESPN Plus, even more 
on that whole thing. And that kind of bleeds us into the other part of Bill's question here that we're going to wrap into this whole thing, which is McLaurin's usage under Wentz and Heineke, right? Bill mentioned that Terry McLaurin didn't really seem to be part of the game plan when Carson was in the game. Six games under Carson Wentz, Terry McLaurin had 37 targets, 22 catches, 367 yards, and a touchdown. His six games with Taylor Heineke, he had 49 targets, 32 catches, 472 yards, and a touchdown. So significantly better games in a same game sample game size sample uh, of work. Now, the eight games that he played with just Taylor Heineke, so no swapping back and forth, just Taylor Heineke, McLaurin walked away with 66 targets, 46 catches, 647 yards, and two touchdowns. When Wentz came in against San Francisco, by the time Wentz came in, uh, Terry McLaurin had already been targeted all but one time. He was going to get for the entire game. Wentz targeted McLaurin the remainder of that game just once, and it was on the final offensive possession for the Washington Commanders. That final game with Carson Wentz against Cleveland, Terry had five targets, two catches, 25 yards. If you project 17-game stats with Heineke and with Wentz, with Heineke, uh, McLaurin's got almost 40 more catches or 40 more targets, almost 50 almost fifty more receptions, uh, well over 400 more yards and two more touchdowns uh, projected. So, yes, there was a, a very big discrepancy. Now, I will say that I think that potentially there was part of a Carson Wentz wanting to be the hero, and if you're the hero, if you're the non-hero feeding the already hero, maybe that elevates the hero a little bit more. I would like to think that Carson wouldn't be that focus on himself to do that kind of thing, but you know, human beings are human beings. So does it live in the realm of possibility? Certainly it does. I will never get an answer on that because I don't think Carson Wentz is interested in talking to me or about anybody about his time in Washington. Um, looking at some fantasy rankings from fantasy pros now, uh, 48 wide receivers typically drafted, if not more, in a 12-team league. Uh, so wide receiver 21, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 36, Jahan Dotson, both on the board for you if you're in a 12-team league, and that's fantasy pros. Uh, the other receiver rankings that are outside that top 48, Curtis Samuel is wide receiver 69, 144 is Deami Brown, 183, Dax Milne, 230, Marcus Kemp. So obviously fantasy pros not as high on Marcus Kemp as I potentially am entering training camp. 24 tight ends are going to be drafted on average in a 12-team league. Uh, you want a starter and a backup. Logan Thomas is the only fantasy pros tight end that call, that falls into that realm at tight end number 32. John Bates and Cole Turner, back-to-back, tight end 70, tight end 71, uh, respectfully, and then no other Washington tight ends are on the board. I did a mock draft with fantasy pros. Terry McLaurin went 5-12, so fifth round pick number 12. Now, the fifth round is a 1 through 12 round, so it's not a 12 through 1 if you're running a snake. It's a 1 through 12, so you're talking end of the fifth round. So if you're targeting Terry McLaurin, you want to get him before the end of the fifth round there. Jahan Dotson went round 9, pick 7. That, again, was a 1 to 12 round, not a 12 to 1 round. So, again, middle of round 9 is where you're looking at Jahan Dotson. So if you've got the 10th pick in the ninth round and you really want Jahan, you might want to pull the trigger on him in the 8th round, even though that's going to be a little rich uh, for the player. No tight ends drafted in the mock draft that I ran with Fantasy Pro. So if you really want Logan Thomas, uh, you might be able to get him as a free agent post-draft or you might be able to get him with that final pick uh, of your fantasy draft. So that will wrap up our wide receiver tight end group training camp projection preview uh, here on Locked On Commanders. Coming up tomorrow, we got another mailbag episode coming up. So again, if you want to get in your questions for that or a future mailbag episode, drop them in the YouTube comments. Email them to LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com. Or hit me on Twitter at dharrison82 or via subtext. As always, I want to thank you for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Every day, I want to thank you especially for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. And remember, 
You can always continue the conversation with me, even over the weekend. I was having some text conversations with some Commanders fans this weekend uh, on subtext via joinsubtext.com slash locked on commanders. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, part of your football routine. And if you have anything else Washington Commanders related you want to discuss, make sure you also follow me on Twitter at dharrison82. One last time, if you haven't already, please throw a like on this episode. It'll help other Commanders fans find the show just like you did. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you.